This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show exploring the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your DJ, Peter Korchnak. Lepa Brena has already made a repeated appearance on this podcast. In episode 7, Yuga Futurist Rock and Roll with Petar Janjatovic. A friend of mine who is a m- movie director from Zagreb. So he wrote on his Facebook, I was uh, in packed Doma Mladine Beograda. And the audience was singing with the band Živjela Yugoslavia. I have to left this brutal reality and went home and went on internet, realizing that at the same moment in packed arena was Zagrebu, Lepa Brena is singing Jasem Yugoslavenka together with the audience. <laughs> then he said, I didn't fight for that. Lepa Brena was the most famous Yugoslav singer of the 1980s. Her popularity during the decade eclipsed that of the late Tito. In episode 20, Rock and Retro. As years go by, Yugonostalgia's 20-year-long tour nears its farewell show and Yugoslavia's dangers fade out. In fact, many popular acts from Lepa Brena on down have repositioned themselves as Yugoslav, express affinity to Yugoslavia, or reference that country positively. Or, most recently, in episode 53, I am Yugoslovenka. Yugoslovenka, a Yugoslav woman, is among the most famous pop songs of Yugoslav times. Not only that, Lepa Brena, who recorded it in 1989, is the greatest and best-selling Yugoslav pop star, Yugoslavia's Madonna, or Tina Turner, if you will. But just like the song encompassed all of Yugoslavia, Lepa Brena was more than a pop icon. She continues to personify Yugoslavia for many to this day. Lepa Brena's greatest hit nowadays both evokes nostalgia for those times and constitutes the starting point for a story of women's emancipation through art in the former Yugoslavia and beyond, as told by Yasmina Tumbas in her new book I Am Yugoslovenka, Feminist Performance Politics During and After Yugoslav Socialism. If you think you can talk about Yugoslavia, particularly from the 1980s on, without mentioning Lepa Brena, well, think again. And so I figured it's time. It's time to dedicate some space on this podcast to Lepa Brena, the greatest Yugoslav music star of all time. Now, Lepa Brena herself will not be making an appearance today. Long story short, I do know that she, or rather her manager, received and considered my request for an interview, but if we're interested, we'll get back to him as as far as I got. However, on my last trip to Belgrade, I went to see a play about Lepa Brena, and that's as good as it gets. After all, Lepa Brena isn't real. She's an image, a fantasy, a simulation, a representation of herself that she, the media, and us, her audiences, have produced and reproduced over time. When you think of Lepa Brena, it's the image of her that you see, or rather an image of an image. She exists in her music, of course, but also in photographs and videos that present and represent her, or rather her image, over and over again, made up and clothed and surgically enhanced and airbrushed and photoshopped. She's shared and layered to the point where Lepa Brena refers to previous references to Lepa Brena. Similar to how on this podcast I'm interested not in Yugoslavia, but rather in the memory of Yugoslavia, the discourse about Lepa Brena is in many ways more interesting than Lepa Brena herself. What Lepa Brena means rather than who she is, if you will. In today's episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, long live Lepa Brena. Before we start singing, I have some people to acknowledge. Thank you, Eva, Jessica, and others for supporting the show. I really appreciate your generous pledges on Patreon. If you like the show, join Eva, Jessica, and many other sustaining supporters on Patreon or donate via PayPal. Visit rememberingyugoslavia.com slash donate today to ensure remembering Yugoslavia's long life.
Born on October 28, 1960 in Tuzla to father Abid and mother Ifeta, Fahre Tayahij grew up in Brčko, along with sister Faketa and brother Farouk. A good student, she was also tall and played basketball. It was her basketball coach who didn't want to yell Fahreta, Fahreta all the time, and so he gave her the nickname Brena, a synonym for pretty girl. Brena is also a wooden vessel village women used for carrying water from springs. At 17, she won the local singing contest Young Builders with a Kemal Montana number and joined a band that performed at local dances and sporting events. In 1979, Yahich moved to Belgrade to study tourism at the university and began performing in local kafanas, restaurants and hotels with the Novi Sad band Lira Show, which soon changed its name to Slatki Grech, Sweet Sin. The following year, she and the band released the debut album Chachak Chachak. In the title song, she calls music from that area in central Serbia Shumadia Rock and Roll. The song was to be shown on TV, but ended up getting pulled due to the singer's skimpy clothes. So she appeared on another program, whose grabby host added Lepa, or Pretty, to her nickname. Lepa Brena's style was a novel take on Novokomponovana Narodna Muzika, newly composed folk music, which resembles the widely popular Serbian folk songs, but made and arranged for the modern times. According to Milena Dragicevic Šešić, a professor at the Faculty of Dramatic Arts in Belgrade, Brena's songs did not fit the overly emotional Kafanska prototype, but were rather playfully romantic and humorous, with appropriate stage choreography that would develop as Brena's performance career advanced to concert stages. Similarly, even though her early song repertoire featured Serbian, Macedonian and Bosnian folk music, the arrangements increasingly adopted the conventions of Zabavna Muzika, entertainment music, which singled her out from many aspiring folk singers and ensured her early mainstream appeal. In 1982, Lepa Brena appeared on TV for the first time, as herself, in the popular film Tesna Koja, Tight Skin. She performed the song Mille Voli Disco, Mille Loves Disco, which gave the name to her sophomore album in 1983. Because she preferred the Shumadia Colo, poor Mille was out. But the urban rural contrast was to stay among the themes of Brena's music. According to Zlatan Delic, sociology professor at the University of Tuzla, Lepa Brena adopted the contemporary Europop sound to articulate familiar themes of village life and social pressures rendered by modernization. Moreover, as the Western pop, or disco, is played on the quintessentially folk instrument, the accordion, accompanying the fast colo-turned disco dance, the rural-urban divide is symbolically bridged as is the gender divide between male-identified pop music style and female-identified folk music style. By the way, I've embedded all the Brenna songs I mentioned and many more in the episode blog post at rememberingyugoslavia.com. Lepa Brenna gained a major boost in popularity in 1983 when she competed in the Yugovizia contest, which selected Yugoslavia's entry for Eurovision. Though the song Sitnije Cile Sitnije placed only 7th, that Novokomponovana Muzika appeared in the traditionally pop music contest was a big deal. The album featuring the song allegedly ended up selling 800,000 copies. The accompanying Yugoslav tour launched Lepa Brena into stardom. The Osmica magazine featuring Lepa Brena in a see-through top sold 600,000 copies. This was the only time she showed her breasts in public. And the heavy metal band Griva created a parody cover version of the song, which became the band's first commercial success and launched them onto the scene. Brena also made it onto the agenda of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of Serbia. Serbian communists feared that Brena's overnight popularity threatened the time and space in public media outlets dedicated to the reports on the work of the party and its functionaries. Alas. Another album followed in 1984, and Lepa Brena's image turned more provocative and sexualized. 
In Brenna's songs and videos, female sexuality tailors to the male voyeuristic gaze, but since it does not transgress into vulgarity, it is also appealing to women and men alike, even children, writes Delich. The themes of longing, suffering, and disappointment in relationships receive a light-hearted treatment ranging from romance to satire and parody. When she highlighted her attractiveness with hot outfits and alluring dancing, and sang about desired female physical attributes, she embodied the female fantasy of modern liberated women who enjoy sex and openly voice their desires, which hinted at some degree of emancipation in both her music and the wider society. She was sexy yet badass, both protective and girl-smart, subservient but loving, in short, writes Delich, Brenna's strategy of subtle innuendo and suggestive eroticism are her tools, used to highlight and at times critique the prevailing patriarchal codes of a Balkan society. In 1984, Lepa Brenna performed at the opening ceremony of the Sarajevo Winter Olympics and held a stadium concert in Timisoara, Romania, in front of some 60,000 people, which was at the time among the most successful concerts of a Yugoslav musician outside their home country. More albums followed. In 1985, she also recorded a duet with the neo-folk singer Miroslav Ilic. The song Živela Yugoslavia, Long Live Yugoslavia, over the years became a favorite target of cover versions and a Yugo-nostalgic party tune. When I look at our sea, our rivers, our mountains, all the beauty where I was born and everything I would know to say I wrote in my heart, long live Yugoslavia. The land of peace, the land of Tito, a country brave and proud, the wide world knows about you, we love you, our mother, we will not give you up to anyone, long live Yugoslavia. Marshal Tito was born here, a proud name of the hero the whole world knows, treasured is the land that has him, he will be remembered for centuries, long live Yugoslavia. Although sexuality was the primary vehicle for crafting her image of naughty playfulness and tongue-in-cheek humor offset by revealing clothes and sexual innuendos, Brenna also used her popularity to bolster the political cause, writes Delich. She symbolically merged her image with the established socialist myths and imagery. Her pro-Yugoslav orientation, expressed in her songs, videos, and public pronouncements, augmented her cross-ethnic musical appeal and made her a harbinger of Yugoslav unity following Tito's death. Also in 1985, the chant Mismo Brenini, Brena Nasha, We are Brenas, Brena is ours, is heard for the first time, at a concert in Mostar, attended by upwards of 25,000 people, echoing the obsolete slogan Mismo Titovi, Tito e Nash, We are Tito's, Tito is ours. Two more albums came out in 1986. 
Also that year, her song, The Time Is Ours, accompanied an anti-nuclear weapons number at the Don Ladosti Day of Youth SLED event in Belgrade. In 1987, Lepa Brena released the album Haide da se volimo, Let's Love One Another, and appeared as the protagonist in the eponymous music film. With this album and film, writes Delic, Lepa Brena became the ultimate Yugoslav star and the only female performer who commanded the entire Yugoslav mediascape, print, television, radio, music video and film, right until the breakup of the country. At the premiere, she met the tennis player Slobodan Živojinović, whom she married four years later. The movie spawned two sequels in 1989 and 1990. The 1989 album Četri godine, Four Years, featured the song Yugoslovenka, Yugoslav Woman. In this call-and-response song, three men in succession ask her questions. Montenegrin Daniel Popovic, the guy who won that 1983 Yugovizia contest, asks, Where are you from, beautiful girl? Who gave you the blue eyes? Who gave you the golden hair? Who created you so fiery? Croatian Vlado Kalimber, who represented Yugoslavia at Eurovision 1984, asks, where are you from, beautiful girl? Where did you grow up, spring flower? Where did the free sun warm you? When did you dance so seductively? And Bosnian Alan Islamovic, lead singer of Divle Agode and Bielo Dugme, asks, Where are you from, beautiful stranger? Where did you outshine the sun? Where did you drink honey wine? When did you kiss so sweetly? To each man, Lepa Brenna twice responds in the chorus. My eyes are the Adriatic Sea. My hair is the Pannonian ears of grain. Melancholic is my Slavic soul. I am a Yugoslav woman. Yugoslovenka became a hymn to Yugoslavism, writes the sociologist Delic. The song carried a reassuring and hopeful message about the country, celebrating the diversity and the unity of its peoples, reinforced by the presence of her male co-singers from different ethnic and religious backgrounds. The song's optimistic vision of Yugoslav nationhood was graphically mapped through Brenna's physical body. End quote. In other words, Lepa Brenna became Yugoslavia personified. This was reinforced in the video for the song, in which she is portrayed as both a sex symbol and a bearer of the nation. Her blonde hair rustles in the air as she looks down from a helicopter upon the land of beaches, mountains, rivers, villages and cities. She walks through the fields of grain. Yugoslav flags flutter furiously. But the most enduring image from that music video is of Brenna sitting on a deck of a boat in the Adriatic beneath the fluttering Yugoslav flag. This iconic image is the starting point of Lepa Brenna project, a play at Bitev Teatar, an indie theater in Belgrade. When you first enter the room, she's already there on the stage, but with her back turned to you and, rather than on a boat, she is sitting on a slab that looks a lot like Tito's tomb at the House of Flowers. I know why you insult me, and I know it hurts, but I don't know and I won't find out if I'll ever kiss anyone like you. Wish happiness to others since you and I have none, and may what's happened to us never happen to anyone. I remember better than any of you. I remember the beginner mistakes, gigs in taverns and hotels, the first television appearances and popularity, every helicopter and every stadium. In other words, this is a memory play. Its co-author, Olga Dimitrievich, is a fellow Central European University alum who splits her time between Belgrade and Rijeka. 
In her official bio, she describes herself as still a Yugoslavian playwright, director, and dramaturg who explores the topics of social struggles and injustices, female friendship and solidarity, queer histories, limits of political imagination, and possibilities of a better world. I spoke with Dimitrievich at Bitev last May before the Lepa Brena project performance. I'm Yugoslav, still claiming that space of possibility that there is political identity of being Yugoslav. Mm-hmm. That's somehow important for me to state because especially when I'm uh, emerging for, from something that is a common cultural space, or at least it was common cultural space in the years that formed me as a person and as the author, mm-hmm. I somehow still want to claim that space in order to also distance somehow myself from ethno-nationalist uh, politics that, uh, first of all, destroyed uh, practically the whole future in this part of the world. Practically, we are living the consequences of, of these politics, and we are still deeply, deeply buried in them. And I'm just strongly opposed to, to everything that they represent, uh, which also means this kind of particularization of, uh, you know, separate nations who all have their language, who all have their culture, and these cultures are separated and they do not touch each other, which is, of course, complete nonsense. Every attempt to divide them, every attempt to write uh, history of uh, Serbian or Croatian cinema, whatever, becomes some kind of forgery of the of the past of that cinema. Every attempt to, you know, claim that there is one particular language, Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian, Montenegro, whatever, it's pointless and absurd. But that's, you know, this strong, 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 uh, constant pressure that that kind of division must be finished also in the field of culture. Yeah, I'm just claiming that big position right. to, to be opposed to that. So th- that would go some way, at least, towards explaining why Lepa Brena was the subject of your of the play that we're going to see. So tell me what she means to you. Lepa Brena, well, many things, like you can see in the show, many things on, on in this long range of, you know, being this music star that I grew up with and listened to when I was a kid. And then, you know, we jump uh, uh, forward to this uh, figure, this kind of symbol of um, not only of uh, a Socialist Federative Republic of Yugoslavia, but also of all the transformations that happen in the society of what used to be that country uh, nowadays. And uh, in that uh, image or symbol or figure or in, in Lepa Brena, whatever Lepa Brena is, that's the moment where, you know, the, the affective level uh, correlates and intertwines actually with political level. And uh, that's also how we came up with uh, with the concept of the show, because there is not one Lepa Brena, there is so many, there is several Lepa Brenas. It's five in the show, it's right? It's five in the show, and uh, the, the, these five also uh, come from, like, when we wanted to detect, okay, so which Brena is important for us? The play features five actors who in their monologues represent different versions or meanings of Lepa Brena. We have the face of Brenna, which is the face of Yugoslavia, like the face of the biggest Yugoslav star, the face of the woman who, who's one of the greatest hits is Yugoslovenka, the woman who still claims uh, that kind of heritage. The Yugoslav woman is the first Lepa Brenna in the play. She talks about her love for the country as an idea, what it stood for, and how her fame eclipsed the countries. I loved Yugoslavia, and I still love her. 
Lepa Brenna performed a lot, often two shows per day. She even set a record of consecutive concerts. Another album followed in 1990. Also that year, a limited edition Brenna Barbie doll issued in 30,000 copies saw the light of day. There's one on eBay right now for $500. And she also took a trip in a helicopter to the Levski Stadium in Sofia. Descending goddess-like to sing in front of some hundred thousand people the biggest concert in Bulgaria's history. When Živela Yugoslavia began, according to the Lepa Brena entry in the lexicon of Yugoslav mythology, the stadium exploded in ecstasy and we all understood the message from the TV screen. Slaves in the neighboring darkness experienced our country as freedom and Tito's name as its symbol. In other words, while in her home country her music represented the East, for Bulgarians she served as a window to the West. Then there is a Brena of sexuality, and the Brena of sexuality is Brena of every small gay boy. And there is the huge queer aspect to it, uh, who was impersonating Brena as a kid, and who was finding some way to articulate uh, the sexuality or this kind of freedom of sexuality through the image of Brena or through through figure of, of Lepa Brena. Dmitrievich co-wrote the play with Vladimir Aleksic, who plays the character of Živoin Živoinovich in the iteration of the play that I saw. My mother once took me to Lepa Brena's performance. Little Živoin became a drag Lepa Brena impersonator with both the troubles that came with it and the blessing of discovering and enacting who they were. And then there is Brenna of uh, the buildings, because there is this um, actually funny moment, because she was so hugely popular, that um, many, many buildings built all over Yugoslavia were named after her. The red roof of these apartment buildings reminded people, most of whom were probably men, of a short skirt and the tall white facades of legs, and so because of their height and beauty, they were nicknamed Lepa Brenna. So you practically have all over the place the tallest, the newest, the most beautiful building that appeared, you know, at the beginning of the 80s in some uh, town or city would be named after Brenna. So you have them in... Novi Pazar, Vranje, Podgorica, Zrenjanin, Foča, Niš, Zenica, Užica, Tuzla, Šibenik. Lepa Brenna herself is said to have cut the ribbon on the Lepa Brenna in Kragujevac. The party lasted all night. So practically, the story of Lepa Brenna and the buildings is the story about uh, socialist modernist architecture and different kind of urbanism and how people used to think about the living and the living standard and communal living as opposed to what we have now and how actually the, the shift that happened in that architectural aspect. Skučiti se u lepoj Breni 1980-ih značilo je apsolutno sve. To move into Lepa Brenna in the 1980s meant absolutely everything. The transference from building to person and vice versa is hard to miss. Lepa Brenna is the only living singer to have a street named after her in the village of Donja Raca near Kragujevac. Brenna is also the second most popular name in the Serbian countryside given to goats and cows. In 2017 in the village of Pekovac near Niš, a goat named Brenna birthed four kids, double the average. Its owner said it was a sign of a good year to come. Lepa Brenna project takes a dark turn when memory enters the 1990s. 
Lepa Brena scrambled in the cities just like the country did in the war. Ja samo jednu stvar znam. Kako se raspala Jugoslavia. Tako se raspala i Lepa Brena. And I only know one thing. When Yugoslavia fell apart, Lepa Brena fell apart too. In 1981, Lepa Brena released her final album with Slatki Greh. No longer a suitable poster girl, writes Delic, Lepa Brena was stripped of her country, her megastar status and her audiences who either fled the region or became divided by the brutal ethnic conflict. Suddenly, the singer became synonymous with the past and she was politically discredited because as a prominent public figure, she did not speak publicly against the wars. In her most controversial performance in 1993, Lepa Brena appeared, in camo no less, before similarly clad Republika Srpska's army troops in her hometown of Brčko. Ethno-drag, Dimitrievich calls it in the play. Brena later defended herself, saying she was essentially blackmailed to do so in order to keep her Bosniak parents safe. After a few years' break, Lepa Brena continued to produce music throughout the 1990s, releasing four more LPs. Also in this decade, she and her husband went into business. They were representatives in Serbia and Montenegro of Red Bull and in Macedonia of Mercedes. In 1988, she co-founded with a former Slatki Greh collaborator the record label Grand Production, which sold 20 years later for 30 million euros. Which is to say, she's a businesswoman as well. I uh, sve ovo me zaista dirnulo i znate šta, prosto kad vas vidim ovako, uh, ja se setim svih onih godina koje su iza nas. Thank you for coming in such large numbers, it's really touched me just seeing you, it brings back all those years that are behind us. At the same time, that's the same woman who knows perfectly well how to do business and who swims perfectly in the, the waters of capitalism that we have here. And she swam pretty well in socialism too, right? She swam pretty well also in the capitalist waters of Yugoslav socialism. <laughs> okay, that's exactly the thing because these two lines somehow coexist. Lepa Brena, the businesswoman, is played by Jasna Đuričić, whom you may know from the lead role in Bosnia and Herzegovina's excellent Oscars entry, Quo Vadis Aida. Brena, the savvy businesswoman, reflects on her career in showbiz, on having been analyzed and then some, on having stayed true to herself even as she became famous, a brand, and as times changed and as she, the person, Fahreta Živojinović, remained separate from her persona of Lepa Brena, always in control and without an expiration date. I to što sam ja uvek znala da napravim jasnu distancu između sebe i Brene. I always knew how to keep a distance between me and Brenna. We always understood each other very well. From here to there, me. From there to here, Brenna. In 2000, Živojinović's son was kidnapped by a mob group from Zemun, a Belgrade suburb. Brenna paid a 2.5 million Deutsche Mark ransom and the family put all the business on hold and moved to Florida. In 2003, a Greatest Hits album came out and five years later she returned to the former Yugoslavia in earnest with a new album and a tour. This is when she picked the Yugoslav theme back up. The weekly Vreme wrote, Brena was the first Estrada star to translate the newly composed folk music from the village into the urban environment and the first to apply marketing tactics typical of rock bands. The piece highlights Brena's universal appeal. Men liked her because she was a prototype of a Balkan beauty, tall with long legs. Women identified with the gentlewoman whose beauty rested in her heart and not in her body or her hair. 
The working class who migrated from villages to cities recognized the accordion plays disco aesthetic. Teens liked Brenna for the cheerful hits. Little girls saw in her what they wanted in their Barbie dolls, long-haired blonde with nice clothes. Today, everybody loves Brenna because she is a symbol of a time that wasn't so long ago or that great, but remembered as the last moments before the catastrophe when we were all happy, carefree, tall and blonde, just like she was. Brenna told Vreme that, though her career had its ups in the 1980s and downs in the 1990s, now I have invitations from every former republic and I plan to unify them with a tour for my new album. And in an interview for the Croatian news portal Index, she said, If someone has the right to declare themselves as a Croat or a Serb, I have the right to declare myself as a Yugoslav. I am neither a Croatian nor a Serbian woman, I am a Yugoslav woman. Yugoslavia was special in many ways, and I admit I am Yugo-nostalgic. In 2009, the compilation Dark Tribute to Lepa Brenna featured 20 cover songs by electronic music artists. I am using the cover version of Yugoslovenka by Inje with kind permission of Crime Scene Records, an independent and non-profit record label in Novi Sad specialized in experimental, dark, weird and underground music from ex-Yugoslavian region. Follow them on Facebook and YouTube and buy their music on Bandcamp. All the links are in the episode blog post at rememberingyugoslavia.com. Tour for her 2011 album Zacharani Krug, Vicious Circle, which Lepa Brenna described as a true Balkan concept, included 104 concerts in Europe and North America over six years. It included the biggest concert of her career in Prilep, North Macedonia, in front of some 200,000 spectators, and another helicopter descent to the show in Belgrade. And in 2018, Lepa Brenna's most recent, 18th studio album, Zarije Vajno dal se peva ili pjeva, It Doesn't Matter How You Pronounce, Sing, returns Brenna to the Yugoslav fold. 
Anna Petrov, musicologist and sociologist at the Faculty of Media and Communications, Belgrade, wrote that through the music and the visuals, Brenna essentially promotes nothing less than the core ideology of Yugoslav socialism, the ideology of brotherhood and unity. The title song, Petrov continues, is unequivocally a political statement, essentially saying that the language of the peoples of some former Yugoslav republics is a single language, meaning, since pevati is how Serbs pronounce the word for to sing, while pievati is Croatian, the song communicates that, quote, it does not matter which dialect you speak, we understand each other since we speak the same language. In this recontextualized sense, it can be seen as a message of reconciliation, of peace and love after the wars. Additionally, the video was filmed in Belgrade, Zagreb and Sarajevo, which further highlights Brenna's strategies for promoting her new political message, the message of love among the people in the territory of former Yugoslavia. Lepa Brenna continues to perform, and in the Zarevajno tour she doubled down on the Yugoslav connection. In 2019, while I was in Croatia, a minor controversy broke out after her two sold-out concerts at the Arena Zagreb. That she, a symbol of Yugoslavia, descended upon the stage from the ceiling in a giant five-pointed star wasn't the worst of it. During the performance of Yugoslovenka, Lepa Brenna busted out the flag of socialist Yugoslavia. Fans often wave Yugoslavia's flags and banners during Brenna's concerts, but for her to do so as well was new. Some crusty Croatian generals complained, but nothing of significance transpired, as they really are out of step with the times. A three-part documentary completed Zarevajno's Yugoslav Trinity. In the film, Lepa Brenna discusses her early life and that period in Yugo-nostalgic terms, saying, We were one common Yugoslav family. Important moments and personalities in socialist Yugoslavia's history get a mention. Her Yugoslav songs feature prominently, underscoring the film's pro-Yugoslav atmosphere. The conclusion, quote, Someone has said that Brenna is the last Yugoslav. According to her Facebook page, Lepa Brenna will perform in Banja Luka on the 30th of July and Zvornik on the 2nd of August. And she's also advertising a big concert in Bucharest on the 10th of September. Tickets start at 99 Romanian lei or 20 US dollars. If you go, be aware that you're making a political statement. According to musicologist Anna Hoffman, whom you may remember from episode 2, the new new life of partisan songs, because Lepa Brenna is the biggest Yugoslav star represented the project of mainstream Yugoslav cultural politics, to attend her concert means to express support for that project and by extension for that disappeared country. And then of course at the end there comes Lepa Brenna of the song, of, of music and of the song, because if there wasn't for the power, effective power of the song, none of this would be actually ever possible. Right. Because the song is stronger than anything, it's stronger than death. So we have these five faces of Brenna and then they somehow correlate to each other. At the same time, they work together and they must be opposed to each other in the meanings that they create. Mm -hmm. 
Has she seen the performance? Yes. Okay. Several times. Several times. Okay. Several so times. you've met her and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so what? What was? Uh, what did she say? What were her impressions? Yeah. She likes it. Uh-huh. Yeah, she likes it. Vladimir and I, in one moment of of the process, of course, we somehow got in touch with her, and she was informed that you know there is some performance happening, but you know, bit of whatever. A little independent. Uh, um, yeah, you know, she a like superstar. Not, yeah. Not, or somehow also that connection was not developing so much until in one moment, I don't know, newspapers actually published the big article that this is happening. And then after many attempts to, to meet, which were postponed from one reason or the other, then uh, 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 we ma- managed to arrange the meeting and we went to her and then we presented her the concept and we said, yeah, we're not making biopic and we're not interested in biopic. We're interested in what is Lepa Brena as the symbol and what does it mean to us and how does it tell us the story about Yugoslavia falling apart? How does it tell us the story about the lives that we live nowadays? And uh, we had really beautiful and substantial conversation with her about all of that. And uh, at the end, she offered us, you know, all of her support when she goes to media, announces the play, that she will explain it. And she actually uh, summarized pretty well what we wanted to talk about in one sentence after our conversation. Like, no, this is not about me as Lepa Brenna. This is a story about social, economical, and emotional aspects of the last 40 years of our lives. Mm -hmm. And she came to the premiere, and that was actually one of the most exciting moments in the theater in my life, because you're having a show about living legend, and you're having this kind of polemic show about living legend, and that legend sits in the first row on the balcony with her uh, followers, with her friends, family, there was 10 of people, and the theater is full, mm-hmm. and it's also a bit of experimental, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to be there, of course, because it's so, also in a way, outrageous, maybe. And uh, you could feel that kind of permanent tension, because you knew that every single person in that audience thinks at the same time while looking at the show, at the same time thinks, what does Lepa Brenna think about this? Who's sitting up there. <laughs> Who is sitting up there. And uh, that was really that was really something. And um, you know, after the show we also were giving some interviews together, like together on the on the stage. She gave some really beautiful remarks about the show and then um, she also said that she needs to come a few days later in peace to, mm. you know, see it again, to think about it. And um, since then, I think she was here three or four, maybe even wow. times. Wow, wow. So how many times have you uh, done the performance? I have no idea. <laughs> I really when have was no this idea. Premiere? But premiere was uh, at the end of 2019. Okay. So we practically just departed mm-hmm. and it sold out practically mm-hmm. constantly, but then Corona happened, so everything stopped. And from the moment when theaters could be reopened again, um, the show has, has its life. I really don't know about the number, but uh, it's there once or twice per, per month, per month for yeah. sure. And uh, the audience is really not the problem mm. for this show. Mm. The audience is constantly there. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you expect a full house again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the night that Constructa uh, is uh, representing Serbia and at the, Eurovision. But in semi finals. And because right. we all know that she will be in the finals, <laughs> then, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
How long do you plan to keep doing it? As long as uh, the actors want that and as long as there is the audience. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing about the future of the show also. Like, Corona was very unfortunate for this show because... Um, there was a lot of plans for, you know, traveling around, mm. going to Canada and US, going to Scandinavia, going to various other countries. And uh, now we'll see what will, what will happen. But people are coming back and people are talking about it. And uh, there is actually the interest around the show, which I would say somehow overgrows uh, that it's, you know, that people are coming only because of Lepa Brenna. That's the first thing they want to see, but there is something more. In her review of the play NSE stage, Natasha Tripney, whom you may recall from episode 48, Yugoslav Cuisine, and who was at the same performance I saw, wrote that the format of five interlinking monologues allows the production to transcend the conventional biodrama and reject linearity. This makes for a stronger, more multifaceted show, and not just about a person, a woman, but about how popular culture, memory, nostalgia, and identity intertwine, or did in a time before the internet. At the end, concludes Tripney, as the various Brenas retreat to different parts of the stage to sit and simmer, there is one final shift in tone, one voice speaks out above the others, raw, defiant, marked out by loss, but also hope. Let us sing of a better world. Sometimes it costs us our lives, strength and nerves and everything else. But maybe it is possible. Maybe. We are all Brenna, one way or the other, since we can hardly escape the Yugoslav past in which we grew up, or the post-Yugoslav present in which the meanings that are connected to this figure are still present, still apparently controversial, and still uniting divergent entities in newly divided societies, writes Anna Petrov. Lepa Brenna's life from 1980 on traces the history of Yugoslavia and its memory. Here and now, in peak capitalism where everything is commodified, Lepa Brenna remains the best-selling ex-Yugoslav artist, continues to perform, and keeps singing her story. I can't say I'm a fan, but I'm fascinated by the phenomenon. And so, long live Yugoslavia, and whether she's real or hyper-real, long live Lepa Brenna as well. Next on Remembering Yugoslavia. He told me, when I came to Naked Island, I wasn't afraid. The only thing they could have done to me was kill me. Goliotog was a prison and labor camp where the Yugoslav regime sent its domestic opponents. The place of torture is now a ruin porn tourist attraction. What happened there and how is ex-Yugoslavia dealing with it? On the next episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, Goliotok and its memory. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. That's all for this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia. Thank you for listening and singing along. Find additional information, song embeds, links, photos, and the transcript of this episode at rememberingyugoslavia.com. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petrich, additional music by Inia used with permission and gratitude. Track by Petar Alargic, licensed under Creative Commons. Special thanks to Maya Pupovac and Bitev Theatar staff and actors. 
a ja Peter Korchňák. Čau. Thank you.